0: Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead to your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with and laugh, I think we have to have some fun along the way. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Well, today we're going to explore the U.S. retail market. You know, retail has been reported as the trailing sector In commercial real estate? Well, has the sector turned the corner to recovery? And when will new development return in full swing? And just how are retailers doing in this world of internet sales and multi channel customer interaction? And how are retail investment sales faring in this environment? And finally, where are the opportunities? Well, we'll find out today. First, please welcome my guest, Dan Fasulo, Managing Director, RC Analytics. RC Analytics does a great job focusing on income-producing properties, office, industrial, retail, apartment, and hotel, plus sales of commercial sites. Uh, they look at sales of over 2.5 million or greater in the U.S. and 10 million or greater outside the U.S. Since 2007 alone, RCA has recorded over $5 trillion in commercial real estate deals throughout 126 countries. Dan Fasullo, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, Dan, thank you. I know it's cold up there in New York, but I know you're all charged up. Uh, what did you say? It is ten degrees there this morning. <laughs> it is it's the coldest it's been all year. Okay. Well, uh, let's before we get to an investment sales, uh, Dan. How did the U.S. retail sector overall perform in 2012?
1: Uh, you know, we definitely uh, moved from a uh, moved into a period of stabilization. You know, all reports are that. Fundamentals have stabilized In most markets um, Nationwide you know we're not seeing Huge um, Declines in uh, Occupancy anymore we're not Really seeing rents plummeting You know there might be certain Sub markets that are still pressured but all In all fundamentals have Stabilized Uh, on the the Macro side you know even Despite kind of lower consumer Confidence recently retail Sales have held up Somehow, um, and uh, you know they have been pretty good over the last few months, considering uh, uh, the environment um, but 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 to speak of, of, of retail real estate in general terms nationwide is really difficult uh, because it's really a dozen or, or more different uh, sub segments even within markets themselves, there might be a half a dozen different um, not only geographical submarkets, but different types of assets that are actually performing completely differently in this recovery so far.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, you know, you can look at the one project uh, in an in-town area doing really well, The identical project, uh, three miles out of town, and, it, and it's suffering. And we're going to get to that a little bit. Um, but you say we're, we're past the, the tipping point. Uh, you know, we're, we're on the road to recovery. Can I do the Snoopy dance <laughs> yet? Uh, where are we headed for 2013? What do you expect?
1: Well, I think we'll see some incremental growth. You know, uh, the U.S. economy is like a, like a big ship. Once it's going in the right direction, it, it's hard to turn it back around. Um, I, you know, some uh, it's you can't get away from the economy too much because at the end of the day, uh, consumer com- uh, spending is a huge component of the economy, and it's a huge driver of retail real estate. You know, if the retailers aren't expanding, you know it doesn't bode well for uh, someone that uh, that lost a circuit city in their shopping center a couple of years ago.
0: Right. Well, let's look at uh, sales volume in 2012. Were retail investment sales more robust than previous years?
1: Uh, We had we had a solid year. You know, I think you mentioned it in your intro that that retail on the investment side had been lagging the other property sector. In 2012, it started to catch up, Uh, especially in the 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 major markets uh, around the country. You know, think your gateway cities. We've seen a, a massive amount of capital. Uh, both on the equity and debt side, flow into uh, uh, retail real estate. Um, just the we call them the six major metros saw so investment activity up 54% year over year 2012. Um, some of the favored um, uh, property niches uh, were certainly that in town, you know, that urban storefront uh, type of product that has become very hot. Uh, you know, I'm sitting here in Manhattan, and we're seeing uh, uh, all-time record highs for, for rental rates and uh, values for any type of retail on the, on the street uh, in, those, in that urban-type environment. And we're also seeing those similar uh, trends in, in top submarkets around the country, uh, especially in those kind of live-work-play environments. Um, uh, another segment... Uh, which has kind of surprised me to some extent, has been um, your Trophy Malls. It seems like the top one or two malls uh, in in most major markets around the country are seeing significant uh, investor demand right now. It's really the the second and third tier uh, malls right now that are really struggling.
0: Right. That's a good point. Uh, Some of those malls are dying and some are just extremely popular and doing well and getting in great rents. And we're talking with Dan Fasullo with RC Analytics. And Dan, what about cap rates? Uh, Where did cap rates end up for various retail property types in 2012?
1: Yeah. Cap rates uh, among the property sectors, saw among the, the most amount of compression in 2012. You now, as we said before, it's, retail has kind of lagged the other sectors, And what happened was uh, a real gap, a huge spread, opened up between you know cap rates for apartments and, and top office properties and retail uh, over the past couple of years. So uh, you, know, some really smart money has placed a lot of big bets on the retail sector um, and, and really helped to drive cap rates down. Uh, in 2012. Uh, I, I expect uh, some additional uh, cap rate compression for the sector um, in 2013, as that, that spread is still going to have to close over time.
0: So, what, uh, what are some example cap rates that you saw at the end of 2012, and what do you expect them to, how do you expect that to change in 2013?
1: Yeah, na- nationwide, we're a little above 7% mm-hmm. uh, for, for cap rates. Um, uh, for the retail sector, obviously, if you know, for your your top quality, institutional quality properties on the coast, you're, you're looking at much lower than that. Um, that type of yield looks awfully attractive to especially institutional investors, uh, which you know, when you're looking at your other asset classes out there, especially the the, the risk-free, the 10-year government bond. Um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of capital attracted to the retail sector because of the high yields available right now.
0: Okay. And as those cap rates do get uh, compressed in some of those major hot core properties, uh, do you expect to see more capital flowing into, to say, lesser uh, quality assets, and uh, and how might that affect cap rates moving forward?
1: It, it, it's, it's already starting. And, you know, I took a look at our stats bef- before the call, and I was really surprised to see – um, you know, uh, like the unanchored retail properties, we saw, uh, you know, a surge in activity uh, for those at the end of the year, which means that you know investors and certainly local developers and owner-operator types are really expanding beyond the top properties uh, in their market to, you know, possibly position themselves for uh, uh, the uptick over the next couple of years. But but I have to caveat that that kind of secondary asset activity is is really heavily uh, focused on just the best markets right now.
0: Right. That's a good point. Well, Dan, you guys at RC Analytics, you've studied the market for a long time. What stands out as most interesting to you in the current market we're in?
1: Oh, God. You know, it we're talking retail, Um, there are trends. Uh, in the retailing industry You alluded to some of them in your intro That are really just changing The whole dynamics of the underlying Real estate um, And investors uh, and, and obviously the retail Tenants themselves are trying to Position themselves for the future And it's really having a Huge impact on, on Values nationwide um, And it's happening I think Faster than, than any of us uh, what a forecast. It's almost like um, the Apple Store effect that uh, you know retailers in the future are going to have fewer and fewer locations to some extent, but be willing to pay more and more for the best locations. Mm. As you know, it's not necessarily about just making X amount of sales from this geographic location. Um, these shops almost become advertising and marketing tools. Uh, for a customer who comes in and then goes to the internet uh, and, and makes a purchase, um, you know, that's somewhat evident by the massive increase in uh, internet retailing we saw uh, over this last holiday season. It, it's really uh, blown blown my mind.
0: Well, some good points. And Dan Fasula, thanks for joining us today. We surely appreciate uh, your insight. No problem, Michael. All right, if you like more information from Dan Fasullo and the good people at RC Analytics, visit rcanalytics.com. After a quick break, we'll get more perspective on the U.S. retail market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Cone Resnick, forward-thinking advice to navigate business and financial issues. Visit kohnresnick.com by BB&T, banking, business and commercial real estate loans. Visit bbt.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate related subjects, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, we had recent shows on broker strategies, a show on social media for business, and a show on the banking industry, including best practices for lenders related to non-performing notes and foreclosed properties. You can access the shows anytime on your smartphone or your computer. Just visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're discussing the U.S. retail market. Please welcome Jeff Fuquay, Principal Fuquay Development. Jeff formed Fuquay Development in March 2012 after 24 years with Simbler Company, where he made a name for himself developing award-winning urban core mixed-use developments. They are currently working on major developments in Atlanta, Denver, Florida, South Carolina, and Canada. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. And also, please welcome Bob Simons, partner with law firm Hartman Simons. Hartman Simons is a law firm of commercial real estate experts. They're Atlanta-based, and they have a national reach. They bring clients a deep expertise crossing the disciplines that make up commercial real estate. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Also, please welcome on the phone today John Crossman, president, Crossman & Company, founded in 1990 with the goal of creating a client organization. Centered values driven retail brokerage firm. They're one of the largest leasing and management companies in the southeast U.S. with over 16 million square feet covering six states. John, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Well, all right, well let's get right into it, guys. And, and I'd like to start with the retailers. Just how are retailers really doing? Uh, how did they do over the uh, holiday sales? And how do they feel about uh, 2013, uh, Jeff? You hear a lot of things on the news
2: about how retailers are doing. and um it's hard to gauge, but you know we do something a little different. Uh, you know we're we're hardcore developers, ground up uh, in almost in every case, and um, so we focus on the retailers who are doing business and expanding, and um, and and that group of retailers we are working with obviously um, feel they're doing well enough to expand and have the capital to expand, and uh, I think we have a ten shopping centers um, around the country in some form of development, and uh, uh, we're finding that uh, if you can put together an anchored shopping center. Uh, and these are mostly urban or dense suburban markets, there's a lot of demand uh, from smaller tenants to come into those centers. There's just so little new product available. Um, you know, we're seeing um, really uh, exciting things happen in those projects. But we still hear, you know, the notes from uh, the larger retailers, uh, the home improvement guys, some of the office guys, that things are relatively flat and and their investments go in other places and they're still in some contraction mode or or reconfiguration Um but uh, we're we're excited about the, what I would call the new economy and the new normal in, in retail development. And, uh, and there's, you know, there's much fewer people in it today too. And um, I would still say it's off, you know, eighty five percent, and it's never going to be like it was. But uh, that's okay if there's fewer people in it, and um, and we're doing what we're doing. So we we actually feel pretty good about it.
0: That's great. You know, it's a, It seems like it, they're doing really well based on the economy where we are. Uh, John, what do you see in your properties uh, across the states you're working in?
3: Well, I, I agree with the. I agree with Jeff's comments. You know, it's funny. I, I think retailers are ready to get off the fence. A lot of the ones have been kind of holding back. I think this is the year they're going to be start tapping their put their toe back into the water. You know, when I look at it, I kind of look at like 2010, kind of the bottom. 2011 was the return of brokerage and that you know, sort of capital investment sales come back. 2012 was return of leasing. We had, we had an agent last year that signed 70 leases, if you can imagine. That's, that's a big year anytime. So even though deals were smaller or short, what's term, his name? Length, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, stay away. Stay away. Um, but, you know, big year. I think 2013 is going to be the return of development, and not, to Jeff's point, not in this big, grandiose way, but in a, in, a, in a stepped process. And I think that's because there's been enough retailers that have been on the fence for so long waiting. They've got to start doing some deals now. Um, so I think the retailers had a pretty, pretty respectable holiday season. And I think that 2013 is going to be a step back into, back into some cool developments.
0: That's true. And what is affecting the retail market? What is uh, affecting retailers' thoughts on, on what's going to happen in 2013, either
4: positively or negatively, uh, Bob? I think there's there's an increased confidence. There's there's confidence for the consumers. Consumers are starting to spend some more money out there. Um, there's increased confidence in the equity markets. Uh, you know, going back to 09 2010, the equity markets were. Running as fast as they could from the retail sector, Um, they are starting to come back, um, and and valuations are starting to stabilize, improve, which brings the lenders back into the fold. So there's been there's been a dramatic kind of uh, opening up of of capital flowing into into the retailers themselves, both in public markets as well as private investors into some of the retailers, Um, and you know we'll get into it a little bit more later on where some of this money's going and some of the retailers that are expanding, but it's just increased confidence. I mean, the retail markets are going to be all driven by consumer confidence and consumer spending. Yeah, and, and
0: John, what are the tenants telling you uh, that's affecting how they feel about the market moving forward?
3: Uh, well, I agree. I, the, you know, it's the consumer confidence. Um, you know, it's funny because like election years are just bad years. You know, regardless of who wins, it, it's all this stress and, and, and uncertainty. And so, when one candidate wins, I think that kind of helps, regardless. In some ways, because at least people they know what they got. They like it, they don't like it, they know what they got. And and when you talk about retail, retail is all about volume. That's what it's all about. You know, if there's growth, um, if there's if there's confidence, then retail is going to come back. And so I think that's a big part of it. And I think the other aspect, real quick on that subject, is uh, tourism. You know, and, and then it was in Florida, we had a you know, huge tourism year, and there was other parts of the country that also had some big, big, big issues with tourism coming back in a significant way. That's a big deal that really impacts our our retail when we see tourism coming back with big numbers.
0: Okay. Now, let's talk about tenant demand in retail properties today. John, what do you see for demand? Are you getting more tenant flow now than you did a year ago?
3: We are. Um, it's funny. It, it, we're seeing increasing. It's increasing. It's going up. Um, certainly more calls coming in, more tenants wanting to talk to us, more tenants would meet with us. You know, In the years past, we would have tenant meetings where we would do portfolio reviews and talk conceptually, and now we're actually talking deals, and so that, that's a much more exciting time. Having said that, we still have great properties at vacancy, and you get to a point where you're like, how much cold calling can a person do? There's there's still not enough. So we are still very much being proactive on non-traditional uses, um, You know, getting involved with organizations like NAOP and trying to make sure that office and industrial brokers are aware of us because maybe there's an office tent that comes in retail use. We're doing medical uses, uh, which can be very helpful. Uh, we've had churches come in and shopping centers, and that used to be like with the sign that the center was doing bad, and that's not true anymore. And we even like temporary uses. And I was in a meeting yesterday where we were talking about a sub-market and we did this research to find there was like 900 home-based businesses in the submarket, And we're trying to figure out a way of how do we contact them and try to find if any of those are ready to open up a business and take the next step and move into one of our shopping centers. Um, so it is increasing. It's still not enough to fill every vacancy. So we still have to be very creative and a very entrepreneurial about how we approach leasing and finding new tenants out there.
0: And, Jeff, we're pretty short on the break here, but uh, what do you see for tenant demand? You know, again,
2: if um, in, in the centers we're developing, um, we are having no trouble uh, filling up the uh, fast casual restaurants and smaller retailers um, around our anchored tenant there uh, in every case. So uh, uh, it looks good from that perspective. And again, these are all urban, uh, mixed-use, uh, dense suburban type projects.
0: So like Bob said earlier, th- these are places these tenants really want to be, right? Absolutely. They need these locations. So they can also pay up, right? I mean, I think some retailers think that it's a it's a down market and they can get a cheap rent. But if they get a great location, they can pay up and it can pay up for them, right? Yeah, well, that's what we
2: say. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> and
0: uh, they do fight that quite a bit. But, uh, you know, you can have
2: a five-acre shopping center cost $30 million to develop, and someone's going to have to pay rent to be in that center. And so that's right. that, is, that is a challenge we have.
0: Yeah, well, uh, it's true. I mean, we, we work with some tenants, and they, where well, you want a cheap rent? Well, you're going to get cheap results. Well, right, after a right. quick break, more intel on the U.S. retail market. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Cone Resnick, forward-thinking advice to navigate business and financial issues. Visit ConeResnick.com by BB&T, banking, business and commercial real estate loans. Visit BBT.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. How would you like people to come to your website to hear the Commercial Real Estate Show? We can now download a free widget, allowing your site visitors to access show videos and audio podcasts right on your website. Just visit commercialrealestateshow.com and look for the widget on the homepage. You can see how it works and easily download it to your site, and after you load it, it works automatically. Well, today we're discussing the U.S. retail market. My guests are Jeff Fuqua with Fuqua Development, Bob Simons with Hartman Simons, and John Crossman with Crossman & Company. And, guys, we talked about some of the retailers that are doing well. Uh, They are positive. So, uh, Bob, who is expanding out there right now?
4: Several of the sectors are expanding fairly aggressively around the country. I mean, you've got a number of the dominant players in the sporting goods uh, sector, There's been a lot of consolidation in that um, over the past few years, particularly during the recession period. But now a lot of the sporting goods folks, Dick's, Academy Sports, Cabela's, Bass Pro, a lot of those folks are expanding and and back into looking for new locations. Then you have the the grocery stores, particularly the specialty groceries and a lot of the the, um, organic food grocers uh, are expanding dramatically, particularly... As you get into the denser urban markets, they're moving into the urban markets and investing a lot of capital in those markets. Uh, and then, you know, some of the sectors are focusing more. You know, Jeff mentioned the home improvement sectors and things like that. They're focused more, not so much on the bricks and sticks now, but how to integrate their existing their existing retail locations into their national and international um, e tailing platform, and how to use their how to use their retail locations to augment their their internet sales. Yeah, that's great. And who do you see expanding out there, Jeff?
2: You know, we're um, we're uh, we're developing for five grocery store chains right now: um, Sprouts, Fresh Market, Natural Grocers by Vitamin Shop, Kroger. I'm um, you know working on one Publix deal and uh, and Walmart, um, and uh, and they're all you know looking for that same kind of you know dense um, urban or dense suburban type of site. You know, I was talking to a, a Walmart executive said that um, you know they think they're missing 80 billion dollars a year in sales in the urban core and think about 80 billion a year I mean targets like a 60 billion dollar a year company mm-hmm. so they could grow by that amount if they could if they could if they could tap that urban core and uh, and you know I think we figured out how to put a super Walmart on six acres you know with a parking deck and and all those other things and so we're actively doing that and uh, but they're also you know uh, definitely creeping into the the natural foods segment as well, with a lot of gluten-free things, and um, everyone seems to be relative creative. So it's obviously, especially Walmart's Walmart, it's really creative in in,
0: um, in, in, attempting to do, you know, new different kinds of things. And Jeff, one of the big box tenants, who's expanding, who's not?
2: You know, it's, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, again, I say Walmart, um, the grocery stores I mentioned, the TJX companies, and that's Marshall's, TJ Maxx, um, Home Goods, uh, the pet stores, uh, Bob mentioned the uh, sporting goods stores, you know, we see a lot of activity, you know, routinely from them on, on all the sites they're working on as well. Uh, you know, you don't see uh, Target seems to be investing a lot of money out of the country. Um, the home improvement stores are pretty stagnant. Um, and uh, a lot of the category killers are really out of the business. Uh, the days of 800,000-foot power centers in 15 boxes in a row we think are kind of over. You know, we think a big center today is 250,000 feet. and probably includes a grocery of some type. And, and other tenants and uh, fast casual bank uh, convenience and service uses, you know, in a dense area. That's where a lot of our focus is, and it's gonna have a multi-family component in it. For some reason, every one of our deals today seems to have a multi-family component in it while that's still hot. Yeah, that
0: mixed use is, is a great way to, uh, to get tenants involved. And, and John, what do you see in your properties? Who's uh, expanding?
3: Well, you know, I, like, I really like tenants that are uh, focused on kind of the core American demographic and they really like customer service. You know, they have to build passion. And I got you know three quick examples. Of that is one is, is Wawa. You know, they've been expanding. Uh, been one of the first tenants in different parts of the, the southeast, you know, doing deals and new deals. And, uh, boy, when you talk about them and you talk about their customer base, I was uh, giving a speech sometime and I mentioned they were coming into a market and some guy in the background just started screaming, you know, it's like <laughs> and that's loyalty, you know, I don't know what they're serving there, but people love it, right? So, I like Wawa a lot. Uh, I like Darden. I like Darden and all their concepts, the same thing, like, you know, when the economy got tough, they doubled down on service and they, they do a good, solid job. Lots of new concepts, and uh, they're still expanding. So, big fan of Dar- Darden. And then when you talk about expansion, and we're going to talk about the Southeast U.S., I think you have to talk about Publix um, supermarkets going into North Carolina. Uh, they've they've been a major player where they've expanded to, and them them keep pressing north in the state of North Carolina. I think that's a significant news, and they follow on that same category of Wawa and Darden, with uh, uh, knowing their customer well and finding good quality service.
0: Okay, so do you do have any tenants, we're really short on the break, but uh, do you have any tenants in your properties who are downsizing?
3: You know, I think that the way I would answer that is uh, I, I definitely see the boxes be smaller. The, a lot of the big spot players are doing smaller concepts. Mm-hmm. either they expanding or smaller, and when they, where they start going, expanding, they're going to try to downsize where they are. So some of the box tents are going to decrease in
0: size. Okay, well, stay tuned. We're going to talk about development and tenants finding space and, and new developments and what's happening there after a quick break. More on the U.S. retail industry. I'm Michael Bull, and this is The Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The commercial real estate show is brought to you by Cone Resnick, forward thinking advice to navigate business and financial issues. Visit coneresnick.com. By BB&T, banking, business and commercial real estate loans. Visit BBT.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com and by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some very interesting shows coming up for you, including shows featuring updates and forecasts on the industrial market and the apartment sector and a show on investing in the distressed market. Be sure to catch shows of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at the show homepage, com. Well, today we're discussing the U.S. retail market. My guests are Jeff Fuqua with Fuqua Development, Bob Simons with Hartman Simons, and John Crossman with Crossman & Company. And guys, it seems like some tenants are having trouble finding Great locations, real class A locations. And uh, Jeff, is it time to develop more new product around the country? And and where is the is the most demand?
2: Well, of course, we say it is, <laughs>
0: <laughs> um,
2: and we have to. I mean, again, that's our business. It's new development, and um, and we think it is time to develop new product um, again. But it's it's smaller, um, it's more complicated, it's more expensive, it's different. I mean, it really is different, and and it really, I think it, it it lends it it plays to our our skill. I think. Uh, We've been kind of doing that for a lot of years, and, and, uh, and, and now it's, it, we think it's good for us. But, again, I think you know, I think uh, the numbers were there was, uh, and Dan uh, probably correct me, but I think in the last 15 years, the, the, this country pumped out 170 million square feet of retail a year, and now it's pumping out 25 maybe of all, of all types. And they're really, they're really not shopping centers. They're everything from fast food restaurants to, uh, to um, semi-industrial type buildings. So it is way off. Um, but, uh, you know, the sites that we're going after, we're finding, again, great retail demand um, from all, from all cross-sections. I mean, we're getting, you know, some of the uh, category killers to go two stories in small urban sites, and that's interesting. We did, haven't had, you know, one in the, they have not wanted to do that in years past, but they seem to be willing to do that to get the, the right sites. Um, and But comes with that are all the challenges of, of these types of sites. They're really redevelopment sites. You're tearing something down. You probably have an environmental problem. You probably have land use problems. You probably have um, very active opposition against you no matter what you do. And you have to be willing to do that and, and deal with those issues. And, uh, and it's a lot of risk and a lot of upfront capital to play in that world. But luckily we're used to that and, and uh, people that will, will, you know, work on those types of projects, you know, I think there's, there's, there's things to do. I know a lot of developers just can't stand the thought of, you know, that kind of brain damage and they stay away and that's, that's
0: good. But uh, uh, we've immersed ourselves in that and are very active in that play. We'll take some great talent to deal with rezoning and neighborhoods. And my hat's off to you there. You guys have done a great job over the years. And and the mixed-use development, It have you've been doing that for a long time, so uh, you know how to do it. And and what are some of the other challenges? Let's talk about equity. Is there reasonable equity out there, and and, and is financing more readily available?
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There, there's a lot of equity out there. Uh, but it's very careful equity. It's smart equity, I would say. And they're looking at they're looking at your deals very closely, and uh, they have to underwrite, and they have to make sense. They have to be pre-leased. Um, so, um, and we have, you know, we're working with five or six different equity, equity partners. They all have their own personalities, but they're they're definitely active and want to do something. And they all believe that you know retail is, you know, um, over the next five or seven years has a lot of play. Um, and the banks too, you know, we're seeing a lot of the banks now willing to lend in, in the retail sector. I mean, you can. I met with the bank last week, and they said they haven't done a retail loan in four years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but they're so they're they're, they're you know they're we're negotiating term sheets now and 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 they like these types of projects and and they kind of uh, believe in what we believe in and um, they seem wanting to do things so um, um, you're gonna I think you're gonna see a lot more of it uh, but never again not 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 the velocity and the square footage that you know you saw in your past I think those days are really over well those days
0: were probably too robust too, too robust absolutely <laughs> And you mentioned pre-leasing. I was looking at uh, new development projects around the country uh, yesterday, and there was a lot of those, those projects that uh, have a, a ton of pre-leasing done. What is the requirement these days for pre-leasing if you're going to go out and get financing?
2: You know, there's, I'm not sure there's necessarily a requirement, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, internally, we like to have 70% of our NOI in place, you know, at, at construction start closing, loan closing. Um, not necessarily the amount of square footage, but NOI, and and that varies between depending on you know what kind of center it is and who's in the center. But that's kind of a hurdle we look at a lot of times.
0: And tenants, uh, in some cases, think uh, it's their world. Uh, it's a tenants' market. Are they understanding? Are they willing to commit in a reasonable way to help get development started?
2: You know, they're 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 um, still price sensitive, uh, and and uh, um, and when you're buying a land that's one or two million dollars an acre, and very expensive development costs include parking decks. They just can't understand, I think, a lot of them, are your rents twice as much. And we actually, you know, certainly the anchor tenants, we show them our performance. If you want to see our return and see how complicated, difficult, and risky this is, you know, you're welcome to it. And <laughs> I think once they, they understand that performance and they see it, they go, yeah, right. right, we'll pay you that rent if we can do the sales there. And uh, that is, we, we're constantly fighting that, though, I would say. And these types of sites, again, again, very expensive to do this kind of business.
0: What are some of the other factors that are important for a successful new development? Uh, like is tenant mix important, and, and how how big of of uh, opportunity is the mixed use por- portion of a development? You know, I think that the mixed use is great
2: for the the residential portion of the project. I mean, they just the retail. I mean, the residential. The, you know, the multifamily loves to be around retail for the convenience of it. And they, they generally speaking, the multifamily guys will tell you that they do better. You know, in those types of environments. And the multifamily guys show us a lot of sites. They want us to do the retail in their projects. We see a lot of that kind of business. Um, but again, get, the risk is for the retailer. Uh, you know, you're you're going denser. You might have parking decks. You, you know, you're not going to have drive-thrus probably. Your visibility is limited. Your signage is limited. Your trucking is limited. All those things. You know, can hamper your sales, and 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 um, um, everyone's very careful not to go too far. And you're also up against every single one of these urban sites seems to have some kind of urban overlay district attached to it that that forces you into a you know a new urbanism type development that maybe isn't practical and, and extremely expensive, and uh, it, it may force a retailer you know into a situation where they can't do sales because people can't see them, they can't park there, and and uh, and do the volume they need to pay the rent. You know, I think about a. We built a, a, a shopping center uh, in Atlanta and uh, Best Buy was on top of Target. I was doing an interview with a newspaper and we were standing up, you know, on the on the on the on the in the parking lot in front of Best Buy and they go, "Well, so who are some of the tenants in the shopping center?" And I go, "You know, Target, Best Buy, Home Depot." And, and they they go, "Where's Target?" And I go, "We're standing on the roof." <laughs> they couldn't they they couldn't find the Target. I mean, so people shoppers don't really, you know, quickly understand where uh, or how these projects work, so you have to really. I've learned a lot of bad
0: lessons in All that right. process. We're going to take a quick break. I'm <laughs> Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. <laughs> the Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Cone Resnick. Forward thinking advice to navigate business and financial issues. Visit ConeResnick.com. By BB&T, Banking, Business, and Commercial Real Estate Loans. Visit bb and Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're discussing the U.S. retail market. My guests are Jeff Fruqua, Bob Simons, and John Crossman. And, Bob, I'd like to talk about uh, investment sales. It seems it's been a, a bit of a bifurcated market with high demand for for quality properties and low demand for more suburban assets, uh, maybe with some occupancy issues. Uh, what do
4: you see out there in your practice? We've, the polarization uh, in the retail markets has, has dramatically increased over the past few years, especially during the recessionary periods. And we now have, you know, if you're East Coast, West Coast, major core demographics, those properties are hot. The cap rates that those properties are trading at are, are back to 2007 levels and maybe even stronger. And you've got institutional money that is, that is chasing those properties and those opportunities. If you're looking at anything other than those core markets, if you're looking at secondary tertiary markets... You know, if you're the best site, the best shopping center, the best mall in that location, you're okay. But if you're not one of the top two positioned projects in that market in the retail area, you're going to be in trouble. And then that trouble is going to continue to, that gap's going to widen. Um, there, it's harder to raise equity for those things. There There is equity out there chasing those things, the value, the value properties. Uh, but that gap is going to continue to widen, particularly when, when inflation starts to kick in. Right.
0: And John, you're out there managing and leasing uh, these retail properties. Uh, can you give a tip for a listener who may own a, a distressed center or is buying one?
3: Sure. I think if you own it, my big quick advice is, is fix it or drop it. And what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, if you can hang in there long term and really fix the problems, fix the issues, you, you can sell it. Um, but if you are trying to sort of move it quickly, you, it'll sell, but it's going to sell at a low price. So you've got to sort of sit back and say, what is my strategy here? But if it's not fixed, if it's still troubled, it's going to go and it's going to sell low. Um, so, you know, there's different clients we've had where we would advise them just to hang in there. And it's not great, but, um, you know, that's when you can look at maybe doing some temporary tenant deals, do some things to just increase temporary cash flow. And if you could hang in there, you know, the market will get on your side at some point, and then you could sell it down the road.
0: Right, but you need to put that equity in and do something about it, and don't just wait and sit around. Uh, well, let's talk about some of the loan maturities coming up on retail properties. I mean, some of those those loan maturities are coming up. Uh, the properties are worth less than the balance. Uh, what do you see, in, uh, Bob, in your practice there?
4: Uh, we we represent a lot of those lenders. <laughs> we represent a lot of the buyers um, chasing some of this REO property. Um, a lot of the lenders have been bumping along the commercial real estate stuff, the retail stuff for a couple of years. Um, and getting back to what, what John said, it's kind of fix it or move on because – I mean, these things, as inflation kicks in, um, these, pro- these properties are going to have a harder and harder time stabilizing. Uh, that's the, if you're going to delve into those worlds, if you're going to try and get in on the buy side of some of these value properties, it's fast-paced. you got to have the equity. you got to have 100% of the price in your pocket, be able to move quickly, be able to take advantage of an opportunity quickly and close um, if you're if you're still raising your money or if there's any debt component to it, forget it. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're not going to be in that field. You're not going to be playing. Well, good luck with that, right? You better have all cash on, on those mm-hmm. distressed properties. Well, guys, do you have a quick tip for our listeners before we go, Bob? Uh, I guess my tip would be just sort of patience. I mean, we've seen a lot of turmoil in the markets. Things are settling out. I think it needs to be – I think we all need to be patient. Don't look for the quick, quick hits, quick fixes. Um, I think things – are moving in a positive direction um the, the slope is is going the right way and we need to just stay with that and be patient jeff quick tip
2: you know if you're thinking about getting in the uh, urban mixed use uh retail development business don't uh, you <laughs> know get into medicine comedy or law or something but uh, we don't like the competition Going to law so if they're going to go into that what would you tell them <laughs> what would i tell them
0: yet yeah, if they're trying to get into it
2: go ahead make my day
0: <laughs>
2: That's you know Go to work for somebody who's going to train you how to do this and and uh, be patient and have a lot of money.
0: Well, gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate your sharing your insight with our listeners. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks, Michael. Great. <laughs> All right. For more information from anyone on the show today, you can find their contact information at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Next week, we'll be discussing the U.S. industrial market. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The commercial real estate show is brought to you by Cone Resnick, forward-thinking advice to navigate business and financial issues. Visit coneresnick.com. By BB&T, banking, business and commercial real estate loans. Visit BBT.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com.